Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 5 of The J Word, a podcast by Journals of Practice. In each episode, we connect practice and theory through critical discussions of technology, news practices, and cultural and social issues. Our aim is to highlight the work that appears in the journal, making the articles discussed here free access for a short time. I'm your host, Ted Gucci, an associate editor at Journals of Practice, associate professor at Lancaster University in the UK, and a visiting professor at Vitotis Magnus University in Lithuania. So glad you could join us. Let's get started. As one of two academic parents living in this house, along with my wife, I feel that we do a lot of reading and writing and talking about media, journalism, current events, and the overlaps of our research interests. On particular days, and when the kids are home from the summer and over the pandemic, there may have been more times when we talked about this podcast and its schedules, guests, and discussions. And that's when our five-year-old son, Martin, would sometimes come up and say to me, Can I do some journalism practice research, please? That's not the only time he'd come with markers, paper, and spend some time drawing, but these are the times when he wanted to interview me. He'd ask, what's my favorite thing to do? What's my favorite color? What's my second favorite thing to do and my second favorite color? Well, that's kind of like journalism at least, right? Well, in this episode, Journalism Practice, Editor-in-Chief Bonnie Brennan talks us through what our journal does, what it publishes, what it's interested in, and what some of the behind-the-scenes aspects are to provide an aspect of transparency and inclusivity. Together, we talk through what our editors and reviewers hope to see in terms of future submissions, the theories that authors engage with, and what it's meant to intersect theory and practice. Some of what we have to say about these behind-the-scenes aspects of academic publishing will certainly resonate with other journals and academic places, but we hope it's a way to demystify how things work, at least in terms of the research we hope to publish in journalism practice. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks so much for doing this today. This is an episode that people have asked about, certainly on Twitter. There's a lot of discussion about how people are doing reviews at all different types of journals, what uh, what it takes to get a submission through in different places. And this episode really comes, I think, at a good time when people can start to understand more about the transparency of how journals work. We can uh, work towards more inclusivity geographically and in the types of ideologies and approaches, methodologies. And so we're really thankful for you doing this. I think the first question is kind of stepping back for a second and asking, what are the types of things that you're looking for, that we're looking for, that you think other scholars are looking for to appear in journalism practice? Can you kind of give us a, an overview of, of your thoughts? Thanks, Ted, for having me on today. I think the number one point that I... I'd like to make when we when we think about what we're what we're publishing in journalism practice today is research that's um, contemporary in nature, um, but that focuses directly on the practice of journalism. Uh, we get a lot of submissions that are tangentially related to journalism, but they don't really focus on the practice of journalism. They're more theory or um, you know, methodologically driven, not that that's wrong with e anything wrong with either of those, but journalism, you'd have to look, you know, far and wide to get it. So those kind of things, we, that's not what, what we're publishing. What we are publishing right now are, uh, focused on the practice of journalism. They are conceptually or theoretically grounded. They're methodologically sound. 
they're up with the current research and engage with that research. And they answer what I like to call the so what question. Um, what does it mean? What's the greater significance of the research? What can we learn about this study? Um, where do we go from there? So those are key elements in the research that we publish in journalism practice. So it seems like we're asking kind of that age-old question in research that's particularly important to us, which is, so what when it comes to a theory or method, a practice identified, or some building of ideology in, in the research? Is that is that about right? To me, I actually like to see a theoretical statement, whether it's in the introduction or engaging with the literature so that the author or authors are, are setting you up to know what perspective you're coming from, what kind of questions you'll be asking. Um, certainly, if they don't do that in the early parts of the manuscript, then once that analysis is done, there has to be interpretation and it has to connect with larger conceptual issues, theoretical issues within um, the field. There are so many different places where people publish and can publish. How do you see journalism practice in relationship to the different journals that are in communication and certainly within kind of the, the area that, that studies journalism. What does it bring to the scholarly and practice-based discussions about journalism that is maybe different than what we, we see elsewhere? I think that our focus is, is specifically on the practice of journalism and what does it mean for, for example, democracy? What does it mean for education? What does it mean for politics? What does it mean for the larger goal within a community, a nation, a nation state, a country? Um, what does it mean for the world today? So some, you know, journals focus more conceptually, like they're more about, you know, maybe they're a, a journal of qualitative research and, and the emphasis is on the methodology. And so they use, you know, they might talk about journalism as a, as a, an example of a methodology. Ours is on journalism and it uses a methodology to, to highlight key aspects of what's going on or, or what might go on in the practice of journalism now. Or um, from a historical perspective, what went on and what can we learn about the past for the future or for you know, current contemporary times. Well, one of the things we wanted to do today is talk a little bit specifically about how people can prepare a submission for journalism practice, and then a little bit more later on about the process of the editing, the revisions, the reviews, the turnaround times, those, those different things. But I think it might be helpful to start with how does a person know if journalism practice is right for them, or if their paper is right for journalism practice, and what a, guess, I guess, a quote unquote, good submission looks like? So at a basic level, it, it needs to be well-written and it needs to communicate effectively what the research is about. Uh, it, the manuscript has to engage with current literature. Um, so you have to be up to date. Um, you can certainly draw on older literature, but 
I, I don't want to see a manuscript that the latest citation is 2002 or some I've received is 19, you know, 89, that there's so much that's gone on, even in the most esoteric topic. <laughs> it's not that old, you know, as you can find more recent um, research, then that has to be engaged with, that has to be talked about. And um, next, I, I think, the methodology has to be there. It has to be rigorous. It, it should be explained. So to say, I'm going to do a regression analysis, full stop, means nothing. You know, you have, you have to describe what is a regression analysis, what, what you're doing, and why this is the appropriate method to take on for the topic and issue you're studying. Um, it like I said before, it should be theoretically or conceptually framed. It, um, when I look and I see, I want to see levels of analysis. I want to see interpretation there. And um, I always look at the reference list to see, you know, again, what is being cited, what might be left out. Um, but also, we get a lot of submissions on a narrow range of topics. We get others, of course, in a variety of topics, but you know, we we can only publish so many of any one type of research. So I guess to me, the best chance manuscripts are, are those that, that have the elements I just described, but are also on an interesting, different, unique, new, or maybe old topic that's we haven't seen, you know, umpteen million examples of before. Can you give just a, a bit of an example of the type of work that, that you're talking about? Well, for me, uh, one easy example is a study, Twitter studies. <laughs> First off, most of the studies that I get about Twitter are about Twitter, not about journalism. So there we go. And also they seem to so many times um, see Twitter as a be all and end all. And so whatever analysis Twitter's giving them, they take without doing their own analysis on it. So, I, I mean, and some Twitter studies are great and they, but and they've been published already. But to me, I would say, not that again, you can't do it, but you, you might want to consider something else than draw, drawing on Twitter. Well, I, I remember. I remember when I kind of was first taught how to how to do some of this sort of writing and some of this work. And I'm not, uh, you know, the most successful uh, scholar in in the world, I'm sure. But um, it it was to kind of think about when you're submitting to a particular journal, are you building upon some of the ideas that have also appeared in that journal? Does that sort of advice uh, still reign today? Because if, if you were doing things on something like Twitter or any other topic, looking about looking in the journal that you're sending to and saying, well, I have my own ideas about what I want to build, but what's been in these particular pages? Going back to the question, why am I wanting to publish here seems to me to be still a, a, a good idea. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we always draw on previous research that's been done. And it's great if you have a new idea and you take on it. And, and that's not exactly what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying is if you do, if you do a study the same way it's been done before, drawing on the same um, 
evidence the same, you know, then we're, that's very limited. And you're, you're not going to have as much or as easy of a time getting published, probably in any journal. Um, so it, it, I, we are not the journal of Twitter studies of journalism. So, you know, consider some other data source. You know, so that, that's what I would say. Well, one of the things that makes it difficult for scholars across the world is uh, access that they may have to different uh, types of research and different languages, different perspectives. Some of this is because of geographic location, finances, paywalls, all those different things. I mean, one of the reasons that uh, this podcast uh, exists is to make free access for the articles that are discussed here for a short time, free access as a way to try and spread that um, and and get into the hands of practice, uh, practicing journalists, but also people who might not be able to have uh, easy and ready access. Um, what are some of your thoughts um, uh, about that? And how does uh, access change scholarship? That's a great question, Ted. We at Journalism Practice want to publish strong research on journalism practice from all different perspectives, including throughout the world. And we are aware and we, we see, sometimes we get manuscripts and they are solid, but they're limited in that they don't have access to current research. And so what we try and do and will continue to try and do is to work with those authors. So if you, thinking forward, if, if you are an, are not able to get the most current research, but you have a research study that you're working on, reach out to me, reach out to us and, and, and say, look, I, I, I need more topical research on in this area. And we will do our best to connect you with uh, people who can help, or if we can, and we have access to that information, we will you know share it because, um, you know, we want to have um, research that that engages with the most, you know, current research and, and also is from different parts of the world, frankly. One of the things also about access is trying to match to the best possible or to the, to the degree reasonable a format of a paper in a particular journal. And, and sometimes journal articles follow the same sort of formats and styles, and sometimes they look very different. And that can, be, can also depend on a society, uh, how a person's been trained, where they've been trained. Um, what are some of the, the selling points of, of journalism practice in terms of its style, its format, and how can having some of this easier access to our particular journal uh, through the ways that we've just uh, mentioned, help people so that when reviewers are looking at it, when we're looking at it, it's not trying to conform to a certain hegemonic format of research, but it's still recognizable. You know, we are a research journal and we always will have open access articles. So for a prospective um, author, I would always suggest going to our webpage and looking at current issues of the journal and, and reading a few of the open access articles. So, you know, that because we'll, we'll want research to come in and have an introduction to tell us what the study is about, to outline, you know, uh, their conceptual or theoretical framework 
to discuss the methodology or methodologies that are being used to have a literature review or engage with the research contemporary and past that are key to the study to um, actually discuss the analysis um, of the research. And for me, I want an interpretation section that explains, again, the so what, what does this mean? What are the greater implications of it? Uh, now, the terms may be a little bit different. Um, some, and of course, you know, along with the method, they will have research questions or hypotheses. Um, and how you put them all together, I, I'm less worried about that than having those elements. Before we get to the next question, which is kind of the fun one where we can kind of imagine what we would like to see more of and, and all those different things. We don't promise a certain turnaround time, but we certainly, I think, do a pretty good job. I know we have three associate editors and you looking at these articles. We have great reviewers and we want to thank all those reviewers. We, I think, you know, reach out to us also if you're interested in being added to that reviewer list with some of the things that you might be interested in uh, doing. That also helps with the decolonizing and the globalization sort of stuff. Stuff. But what do you think about our, our turnaround time? Is, is it uh, something that we should um, be, be telling people about? I think it's a pretty good one. Absolutely. I, I think we do a great job and it is key to the associate editors and all of our wonderful reviewers. Um, I, I'm always pleased uh, that on a regular basis, I, I get emails from authors who want to thank me for the review process thank me for um you know the just everything that we do at journalism practice the reviewers give in-depth reviews and they're very helpful now of course sometimes things don't go as well and with covid we we've had some challenges honestly and there there are you know reviewers that take a little longer or that cancel at the end um because they are ill or they have other problems. So it's not a perfect process, but I do think the peer review process is, is a good one. And we work really hard to push things, you know, through to the next step. And if there are any problems, you can always contact me as, as people do. And if I can't fix it, I will reach out to those at Taylor and Francis to help us get the problem solved. Well, and now to the fun. What are the things that you want to see more of? I'll chime in with a couple of my ideas, but what are what are the things, the topics, the different approaches, the different places of the world that you would like to see coming across our, our screens? I'm really focusing. I would love to get more manuscripts from the Global South. Um, I would like to get more international manuscripts. We still get, um, and not that not that I don't want them, but we do still get a majority of our manuscripts from the UK and the US. And so I, I really want to broaden that, keep broadening that. Um, I, my background is in history and ethics, and we frankly don't get enough manuscripts that deal with either of those. So I would encourage all of the media historians, journalism historians out there to think of journalism practice when they're getting ready to submit their next um, manuscript. Uh, the same for all the media ethicists out there. I would encourage you to think about journalism practice because you know, ethics is an increasingly important topic and issue 
in our field. Um, let's see, I, those are to, to me key topics that I would like to see more. One additional one is visual communication. I, I always love to see things on visual aspects of journalism. And um, so, you know, if, if any of you are working on a manuscript and visual communication, journal aspects of journalism that are visual, think of journalism practice. Yeah, just I'm speaking as a person who English is really my only language and sometimes with my own disability I kind of hear words differently so my spelling isn't always the greatest and I have to work pretty hard to, to do some some proofreading I think a lot of people from uh, maybe non or dominant uh, you know non-dominant English speaking and writing uh, parts of the world might say what about proofreading what about the language what are your what are your thoughts because uh, you know we don't require a professional, uh, proofreader, but there still is some sort of uh, hesitancy and, and also some give and take a little bit. How, where, what are those lines for us and how do we, what are your suggestions? My suggestion is if English is not your first language, find someone who is fluent in English and has English as their primary language and ask them to read your manuscript. And, you know, of course, offer them the same thing in the reverse. Um, that is one problem that we see, I see with reviewers. They they're sometimes very harsh because you know they get they they don't think that the person has a full command of the English language. But you know, if you can't find anyone, reach out to to us and we'll see what we can do. I think Taylor and Francis actually has some editing services available. So that's one place you could look at the Taylor and Francis website and, um, you know, write simply. I, you know, that, that's another <laughs> suggestion I have. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I need to to read over things several times myself, and, and English is the only is the only one that I know. Um, but you mentioned things about kind of reviewers, and I just wanted wanted to say, as you know, we've been doing this for for a while now, um, and I'm really impressed. Uh, not to toot our own horns, but I'm really impressed about the communication between the associate editors and and you when it comes to not even just uh, reviews where we're kind of like, ooh, that was that was harsh, which you know, thankfully we don't have too many of those um, but also when there are things that are really really excellent that that are coming through and we we communicate across these and you know I think one of the things that's important to know is about the process when we see these reviewer comments coming come back those associate editors we we look at it and we we try and sum up what these things are and, and then make our recommendation to you can you tell us just really quickly before I give you maybe my uh, my ideas for what I'd like to see more of, um, what that process is like for you. So so we send out to the reviewers after we've read the manuscripts and we make decisions about uh, if they go out or we make recommendations about if they should go out for review, they come back. Um, and then we read again, make recommendations to you. What do you think about the, the process? Uh, anything that you want people to kind of know about behind the curtain? Oh, well, so if we talk about the process, I get all new submissions. So once they've cleared the peer review process um, and have everything, you know, up to standard. So I get each manuscript and I read each manuscript. And um, so I make the first cut. And I, I, about a third of the manuscripts we get, I desk reject right away. 
Um, the vast majority of those are not focused on the practice of journalism. Um, a few of them might be um, briefs or something, um, three to six pages long. That's not what we do, so I I pass on those. Um, a couple of times we've got book reviews. We don't do book reviews, so I have to send them back. Sorry, but here's a suggestion where you can publish a book review. Um, so once I make a decision and say, I see something in these manuscripts and I assign them to our three associate editors. And, um, you know, each associate editor has topics that they are particularly interested in and other topics that they would, would like. So I try and match the manuscripts to the AE. Um, that's not always possible. Um, so I, I do my best and then I send them out to them. And um, here, and sometimes I'll say, I'm on the fence with this one. Could you have a look at it? So all the AEs know that, you know, they should look at it, not in, in if they don't think it's a good fit or something else is wrong, um, then they send it back to me. And I look at it again and make a decision. Should it go forward or should, should it be rejected? But once it goes to an AE and um, then they, you know, send it out for review, uh, occasionally there's a question of, you know, can you suggest some people to review? But everybody seems to have a good network of reviewers. Um, so when I get a manuscript back after there's two reviews and, the, and, and each reviewer makes a recommendation and each associate editor, of course, for the manuscript makes a recommendation, I read the, re with the statements by the reviewers. I look at the recommendation. Honestly, most times I will agree with it because I'm not an expert in every field, so I do give the balance on, um, certainly on the first go around to the um, AEs and uh, the reviewers themselves. If I see a review that is inappropriate, nasty language, incredibly harsh, that review will be edited before it's sent to the individual, the author. And I will just make some comments in the body of the letter. Please focus on your data set more. Please focus, whatever it is, without the anything nasty, unkind, untoward. Um, so it goes on a first review. I've never, except for an introduction to a guest-edited special issue, I've never seen... I don't think any any article that comes back and and doesn't have any revisions. I mean, and maybe there's been one, but I I don't remember it. Doesn't stand out. So if you you know submit a, a manuscript and you comes back with major or minor revisions, that's great. Uh, that's great. And so don't get offended because we're asking for things and reviewers want clarifications. You're, you're in the process. You're, you're doing well. Um, so I expect to see, um, you know, manuscripts back. I, I have had a couple of them, um, you know, of, of notes back 
well, I'm going to publish elsewhere rather than do, you know, and of course that's the right uh, of each author. So um, sometimes we'll get two reviewers, we'll get one, this is great, publish it right now. And number two, this is not publishable and cannot be made publishable. And so then I, I look at who's reviewing it, frankly, and what their area of expertise is. And then I really rely heavily on the associate editor who also makes a recommendation on that before we go forward. I think it's really helpful to, to have that conversation. I mean, for, for some people that might be really like, well, of course that's how the process would happen. But I, I, I think that there are some important parts as we're, we're trying to um, make scholarship uh, and the institutions a little bit more inclusive, right? To, to right. kind of put out there and be transparent about how the process works. So thanks a lot for, for that, Bonnie. Here are my sort of ideas of what I would like to see. And as we'll have the other associate editors on later in the season to talk about some of the other scholarship that's uh, coming in. But I really would like to see a, an increase in critical and cultural uh, journalism practice research. Um, I think we have that. I don't think it's out there. Too. Well, I think we have, <laughs> I think we've seen some, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I think so yeah. much of the work um, just in the field writ large is a, a lot of times based on a lot of normative value systems of uh, what journalism is or isn't, what democracy is or isn't. Uh, even at the same time, not everybody lives uh, in a democratic society. And those of us who do live in a democratic society sometimes question whether we do. Yeah. Are so we? <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering, is there hope for um, the critical cultural journalism practice scholar? And is journalism practice a place for any of that work? Oh, of course. Absolutely. So, you know, that goes without saying. I mean, you know, but we just, we aren't getting a lot of it. Um, I I don't know if you want to record the following, but. So, yeah, but, yeah, Bonnie, I think it's it's really important to kind of seek out and think about the role of, you know, critical theory or critical theories and uh, cultural studies and the interactions with journalism that there are certainly connections to be made and many of us make them. And I would love to see kind of, uh, you know, some more of those types of work. Um, what do you think over the next couple of years journalism practice is going to look like? We're, we're getting a lot of uh, different things about data and new technologies. Certainly, um, certainly feminist and other approaches can, can be applied to those types of things. What about the other types of practices of journalism? Because, well, maybe all journalism is digital these days, which can be debated. There's still a separation between that digital and, and otherwise. So as we kind of wrap up here and think about things, what, what are different ways to be thinking about where journalism practice emerges uh, outside of the very obvious digital aspects? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, certainly we'll have digital journalism, but there are some movements that run to the slow journalism movement. Uh, things like, uh, you know, magazines are, are back in vogue, not, not online magazines, but hard copy magazines. Um, so there may be newer, maybe there are virtual realities and in the metaverse, you know, there'll be all different types of journalism out there. I think journalism is not going anywhere and hopefully journalism practice will be able to publish, you know, all kinds of topics and issues related to the practice of journalism. 
Thanks, Bonnie. That's really helpful. I mean, I, I hope that this does help people from different backgrounds across the world thinking about journals and practice. This, uh, some of these suggestions and ideas certainly can fit to other journals, but we really hope that, you know, this, uh, just like this podcast, I think is becoming an, an added resource for people that this type of conversation about how we do scholarship, how we don't, how maybe we should, what those differences are, um, can be really helpful for them. Uh, so thanks so much, Bonnie, for, for joining me today. Oh, thanks, Ted. It's been great, and I really appreciate all the wonderful work you do with the podcast. And thanks to all of you for listening. We hope you tune in again for our future episodes of The J Word. You can follow and connect with us on Twitter at Jern Practice or send any feedback about this podcast to jwordpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.